Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. Definitely listen through to the very end of this episode to get a really big discount on the Carol Fit AI device. It's going to be worth it. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that just one sweaty workout could boost some people's memory. At least in older people, these brain boosts from exercise can be almost immediate, according to a new study. Cognitive neuroscientist Michelle Voss at the University of Iowa enlisted 34 people, average age 67, to go through brain scans, memory tests, and exercise. And they underwent the big daddy of these things called functional MRI scans and took memory tests around remembering faces they'd seen before. And the researchers in part of the study looked for effects of a single 20-minute stint on a stationary bike, rigorous enough to make them sweat. And they did similar brain tests on a different day after participants spent 20 minutes on a bike that pedaled for them. That sounds like fun. (laughs) On average, after 20 minutes of intense exercise, people are better remembering the faces, especially when the task was hard, than when the bike pedaled for them. And certain connections between different areas of the brain got stronger too. And what's interesting here is that they looked at results after three months, and to their surprise, the people who improved a lot after 20 minutes had similar memory improvements and similar brain changes after those three months, and those who didn't improve after 20 minutes were less likely to have improved after three months. What does that mean for you? Well, the similarity between a single bout of exercise and months of training suggests that you don't have to wait three months to see an improvement in your brain, and you can get an improvement almost any time you move a little bit more, which is kind of cool. That means if you're looking for the latest and greatest cognitive-enhancing nootropic smart drug, perhaps you should, in addition to Mother Nature's finest, that would be coffee, hop on a bike and move a little bit, or walk around, or do something like that. And because you know that I am the grand champion of foreshadowing, we might be talking a little bit about what happens on a bike and how you can get more done in less time today. And if you'd like to see some pictures of the kind of stuff I'm talking about, make sure you follow me on Instagram. It's dave.asprey. I'm pretty easy to find there. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD+, and that helps you make energy, it helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. 
You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. On to the show. Today's guests are serial entrepreneurs with a bunch of experience, including in healthcare and startups, but they've put something together that I'm pretty excited about, something that I use at home that even my 12-year-old daughter uses, believe it or not, as well as my wife, Lana. My son hasn't gotten into it yet, but he just hasn't had a chance because, well, he hasn't asked to try it yet. And this is a new kind of exercise looking at that minimum effective dose powered by AI. And the idea is how do you get your cardiovascular system all it needs on a daily basis in a very short period of time? And this is possible due to the work of Ratna Singh, who's a microbiologist by training, but spent most of her, her career working with big brands, figuring out how to make stuff work better. And Ulrich Dimfle, who's figured out how to build a big piece of equipment that you can use. I think this is something that is going to really change uh, how we think about exercise. I'm actually really excited to have you guys on the show. Radna Ulrich, welcome. Thank you, Dave. We're very excited too. Thanks for having us, Dave. All right. You guys started a company called Carol. And I heard about this about a year ago and I said, seriously, another exercise bike. This is just what the world needs. Like I remember my, my parents got one when I was maybe my son's age, maybe you know, nine or 10. And it had a little compression dial and, and you'd like squeeze the tire with it like a little screw and then you'd pedal on it. And my parents would sit there on this thing for like an hour watching jazzercise videos or whatever they did back then. And I, I tried it a couple of times and thought it was kind of ridiculous. So I have not been a huge fan of, of, of cycling, although I've done my share of it, uh, indoor cycling, outdoor cycling, I've always liked. Uh, but when I saw your thing, I said, all right, I'm feeling inspired because of what you guys talked about with minimum effective dose. Tell me, what is the minimum effective dose that you believe that we need for cardio? And how did you come up with that? Well, we believe that for cardio benefits, uh, fat loss, even the cognitive benefits that you were talking about earlier, Dave, it's 40 seconds split into two 20-second sprints. That's the minimum effective dose of actual exercise. Our um, system, however, has you on the bike for about nine minutes, but the majority of that time is warming up, recovering, and cooling down. The actual work is just two 20-second sprints, so that's your minimum effective dose of exercise. Yeah, and so you don't have to do that every day. Mm. So we believe, and actually, so that's been proven by scientists, very serious scientists around the world, that three times a week, maybe as little as two times a week, these two times 20-second sprints are enough to get you basically all the cardio benefits you can and that, you, that you'd like to get. <laughs> and, you know, recovery is as important, Dave. So we, don't wa we do not act advocate that you do this so many times even though the time is so short and most people say seriously can i do it every day and we say you don't need to you really don't need to wait, wait a minute if exercise is good more exercise must be better i mean isn't that math 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, uh, what you said there about recovery, the whole point of Upgrade Labs, you know, the Bulletproof spinout in LA, by the way, we have a Carol there, um, is it's exactly that. It's to say, look, recovery is the harder thing than to, to start out with, oh, let's just kind of hit ourselves over the head some more. But in Headstrong, this is my you know, New York Science, New York, best, New York Times bestselling science book. I mean, I went really deep into it, and I'd agree that you need some high-intensity interval training uh, probably twice a week. Uh, three times, I would say, is probably max uh, for, for most of the research I did. Um, and the amount of time was 10 or 15 minutes. Most people can't even do 15 minutes of intense intervals. You can do what you're doing for nine minutes because it's it's got these two intervals and you know, heart AI-controlled heart rate monitoring and all kinds of cool stuff in there. Uh, but... The idea that it's only two 20-second sprints, that's even lower than the numbers I came up with. How did you come up with numbers that low? What's the backing on those? Because this this is world-changing. I mean, most people, even if you're obese and you're really tired, three times a week you can spend nine minutes with it and you don't get sweaty. Yes. So the way we came up with this, and a little bit of background might be helpful, neither Ulrich nor I come from the fitness industry. Neither are we massive fitness freaks for the same reasons why people don't want to exercise. It's time, it's inconvenient, and it's just dull, boring, mind-numbing, for me at least anyway. So we ran into a professor called Dr. Niels Vollard from the University of Stirling in in the UK. And he had been uh, experimenting with different Uh, lengths of exercise. And his goal in life was to find literally the minimum effective dose. Most of the high intensity training intervals that you probably are aware of tend to be either three sprints or 30 second sprints or more. And what he did over years and years is to see what's the minimum. And he found that 10 seconds is not enough. Three 20 second sprints is not necessary. 30 seconds are absolutely not necessary other than completely fatiguing you and, you know, making you exercise phobic. They do nothing else. <laughs> so, so, so the two 20 second sprints are all that are required. And the reason for that, Dave, and you know this because you've looked into the research and you understand the science It's not about duration, it's about intensity. That intensity provides a very potent stimulus to your body, which releases chemicals that lead to a fitter, leaner, smarter you, because that powerful, potent stimulus stimulates our um, evolutionary flight or fight response that says, "Uh uh-oh, Dave's going to be extinct as a species if I don't give him what he's asking for, which is more power, more oxygen, more energy. And so your body changes. We adapt. We are fantastic uh, at adapting as humans. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. And so that's how it all works. Now, Niels has gone further, and he did some uh, meta-studies of 34 different types of papers that have been published looking at various different, um, 
you know, durations. And it just came down to the fact that all the chemical changes that need to happen, happen in the two 20-second sprints. And I can go into more detail of that in a minute. Beyond that, it really is unnecessary. So that's your minimum effective dose. Just to say that in the first 10 seconds of the first sprint, pretty much everybody will reach their peak power at the intensity that is set for them. And that will be for a split second and they'll start to trail off. When you reach your peak power, you have done what's called glycogen depletion. You've depleted your sugar, your energy stores. In the next 10 seconds, signaling molecules are released, AMPK being one of them. You then have a recovery so that you can have a good second sprint. And in that second sprint, you activate the molecules. The main molecule that gets activated in the second sprint is something called PGC1-alpha. It is a master switch that cascades, you know, a series of other changes in your body. It is a very important signaling molecule because it helps to preserve the integrity of your muscles as well. So it's really about the molecular changes that this very potent stimulus uh, elicits, and that's why it works. Now, I'd like to say one thing, which is that HIT has been missold because everybody talks about high-intensity training, and they refer to the scientific literature, they refer to the scientists, but every single scientific experiment, every single scientist that works in this field uses specialized equipment and they use a formula that has been developed by the Wingate Institute in Israel in something like 1975. <laughs> so it's empirically yeah, tested formula. And the idea is that the more muscle you have, the heavier you weigh. And therefore, the resistance that you can exercise against can be quite high. And that tends to be a range. So X percent of your muscle mass or your body mass. And in the laboratories, they see you, they'll see Dave, who's six foot three, you know, he's got muscle. I'm going to apply that high resistance. And that's going to be the point at which the glycogen will be depleted. And unless you choose that maximum resistance setting, which is unique for everybody. I won't be able to pedal at the resistance set for you. Yeah, you, you should you should see these these caps. I mean, I, I agree. You just couldn't you couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your carbs are beautiful. No, you could be on a fashion runway, seriously. <laughs> Instead of hand models, we've got calf models. <laughs> so so, so that's the idea. It's about maximum intensity, which is why it's so short. If it was high intensity, you could do it for longer, like you can. And, you know, like Tabata is high intensity, like um, I know, CrossFit is high intensity, but they're all longer. And the reason they're longer, because they're not intense enough. <laughs> yeah. And so within those 20 seconds, we we literally put you in a pressure cooker. There's one exercise program out there. I, I'm not going to name it. Um, actually, the guy who made it is a, is a friend. But <laughs> they, they talk on on, a, on commercials about, we took high-intensity interval training, and we turned it on its head 
So the, the, the breaks are brief and the exercise is the long period. And, and you're sort of like, this is just kind of kicking your own ass over and over and over, but I'm not, uh, I, I don't believe you'd get the same results from that, that you would from these short, brief spikes. And in terms of intensity, what it, what I really appreciate, you mentioned evolutionary stuff earlier. I mean, you hop on there, you put on the headphones, it looks at your heart rate and figures out how much you can pedal. It's that real time feedback that's changing the world. It does for neuroscience and neurofeedback. And if this is really feedback based uh, physical exercise too. But the headphones are saying, you know, imagine you're walking through the forest and you're pedaling annoyingly slow. I, I mean, you're sort of like, I'm barely moving. And that's the warm up period. And then, oh, look, there's a tiger, run. And there's drums and whatever. And it sounds a little bit almost cheesy when I'm describing it. But when you're doing it, it works. And all of a sudden, you know, okay, you feel your heart rate go up and you do that, that sprint. And so I know what it feels like. But what I really know is when I watch my wife Lana doing it, she's just kind of cruising along and you hear this like, you know, grunting and pushing really hard. And you can tell it's all out as if just like the body's designed. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to eat you right now. And so to trigger that, you get the hormonal cascade. And then the other thing that I appreciated, and I want you to talk about the science in this, is after the brief sprint where you get away from the tiger, you guide people to breathe more slowly and to calm back down. You're actually monitoring the speed at which your heart rate drops you know, back into the normal zone, uh, which is very different. Like most humans, a tiger almost ate me. And then the rest of the day, like, oh no, a tiger almost ate me. And, and you're actually agitated. Mm. But other animals you see like on National Geographic, the tiger misses the deer. And when the deer knows it's safe, it kind of whole body shakes and it lets go of stress hormones. And then it starts eating grass and it's just done. And I feel like whatever you're doing in the cool down is, is taking the heart rate up and then right back down. So you get a very high peak to tell the body, be ready for peaks, but be chill the rest of the time. What is the cool down period? What stuff are you doing in there? Yeah, the cool down period is uh, exactly to bring your heart rate back down to normal. And we have mindfulness breath paces that also balance your nervous system. So it has a longer exhale and a shorter inhale because we want you to have had a mind and a body workout too. It's pretty intense, as you know, and it's great to feel relaxed by the time you have left. The other thing that happens is that your blood pressure normalizes during those three minutes. And so we do want to keep you there and we keep you at about 60 RPM. That's the ideal RPM for your uh, blood pressure to come back again. We don't want you passing out or, or stuff like that. So the other thing that's really um, critical in those recovery periods, we, we obviously track how quickly your heart rate recovers. We, we know how much power you've exerted and um, how much power you've produced. And that creates, so first is, is the exercise stimulus is there and it gets you amazing results in terms of how fit you can get um, with very little time investment. It also is basically like a controlled experiment, like a fitness test that you repeat like two to three times per week. And it gives you a highly quantified score of your fitness. So we can we can see kind of how much faster your heart rate recovers, how many less heartbeats you need to produce a certain power profile. And that's a very precise score of your cardiorespiratory fitness. And that you can track over time and, and we can track over time for you. And so for me, that's a great hook 
to, to actually stick to the exercise because you see very quick results, very measurable, very kind of repeatable results. And therefore get like, you know, that instant uh, reward that you're doing something for you and you actually can measure it, you can track it and you have your results there. Now, Dave, what, what Ulrich is referring to there is what we call our octane score, but it's really a measure of your power per heartbeat. And as you get fitter, the more power you produce with fewer heartbeats. And um, most people will improve that over time. In fact, everybody does, even the fittest people. And so doing, as he said, we're tracking quite a lot of information. Mm. In the Bulletproof Diet, I wrote about something called the ejection fraction. And mm. this is one of the reasons I've been against chronic cardio for a very long time, even though I used to do it. And chronic cardio is you know, these long distance things. I've had several interviews. There was a good one with Mark Sisson a while back about that. And when you jog for a long distance or just kind of you know, cruise around at that 70% maximum thing, your heart learns to beat faster and to, to spit out smaller amounts of blood per heartbeat. And when you're really fit, you can go from normal heartbeats to one single heartbeat can shoot a huge amount of blood through. Bang. Right mm -hmm. now, is what you're talking about the same as increasing the size of your ejection fraction? It's it's exactly okay. that. It's power per heartbeat. So, kind of one of the adaptations is that your heart as a muscle gets stronger and can just pump with a single stroke more blood okay. through your veins and through your arteries, and and that's exactly what we're measuring and um, kind of can then precisely track over time. That's that gives us great confidence while we see that that we can replicate exactly the lab results in the real world and uh, kind of continue that over time. So we see across all our users after about eight to 10 weeks, and that's literally what the what the scientists in the lab see as well, about a 10 to 12% improvement in cardiorespiratory fitness. And if you, if you then continue for the users who stick with it, we see it up to like 20, 25%, which is very remarkable. That's kind of even the, the 10 to 12%, that's bigger a change than or as big a change as stopping smoking. So if you if you consider what you do for your health, it's a really big thing. Wait a minute, you're saying if I use Carol and I start smoking, I could stay even? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the message we want to convey. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, Don't do that. Smoking's horrible. I think the, the the wise thing would be to do would be not to smoke and to use Carol <laughs> and then kind of just live a few years longer. All right, that, that, I, I'm I'm in alignment with you on that one. Uh, in these numbers that you're citing, are these people using it twice a week or three times a week? So um, we have both. We have, and that's it depends a little bit where people are using it. At home, we see most people are using it uh, three times a week if they're going to studios. So we have across the country kind of a number of high, like really high-end yeah, like, studios. Like Upgrade Labs in, in uh, Santa Monica exactly. or in uh, Beverly Hills, right? Okay, so there's, but you have those all over the country now. We, we have a, a number of okay. them, yeah, we're, we're growing. But yeah, like many of the big cities have um, a studio with Carol in them. And there we see more like one to twice, um, kind of in line with the rest of the schedule that people use Carol. Now, when they use Carol that often, those numbers you cited though, around this 10 to 12% improvement, these are from basically one to three times a week. That's the average, okay. yes. And correct. how, if you're willing to disclose this, how many how many people continue past six weeks? Most people continue past six weeks, but what we do is say to them, 
because we track all the, the the data, if we feel that they're not getting any fitter, because remember, Carol also changes your resistance in every ride. Yeah, based on the real time stuff. Exactly. So if you are getting fitter, she's continuing to challenge you. If you're struggling, she will ease up. Or if if you are where we want you to be, there'll be no change. If we find that, you know, those people have, have got to the point where it's about as fit as they're going to get, we put them on a maintenance plan, which is twice a week. And most people can do twice a week without any problems. So this is the least sucky way of exercising in the minimum <laughs> uh, minimum possible amount of time? Well, I wouldn't. Well, Dave, in all honesty, I'm, the master, I, I'm really the master of good positioning, aren't I? No, you're amazing. We love you. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. I, I won't lie to you in that those 40 seconds hurt. Yeah, they're Some, they're tough. They're tough. I mean, I've got people, I myself sometimes scream for an epidural, but I know that I'm not going to do anything else. And so for me, it's a bit like ripping the plaster off, you know, just boom, get it over with and I can get on with my life. So Let's not make any mistakes. This is max intensity, personalized. It's hard. You know, you trade time for intensity. Yeah, exactly. And therefore, it becomes very doable. And then the other thing, so the vast majority of people who have a Carol bike at home continue to use it. So we have really good usage stats for the home users. Um, some of the bikes, like your bike at the Beverly Hilton, there are a few people who just stay overnight mm-hmm. um, in the hotel. And that they use it once, so they <laughs> they push know, our average a bit down. <laughs> <laughs> but they do um, like it. We get great yeah, feedback. Yeah. I I've got my bike at home. I I just do it every other day. Every other day. Get out of bed, and that's that's a habit. And kind of while I don't have to negotiate with myself anymore whether I do it or not, just because it's established, kind of it is still hard because Carol kind of personalizes, optimizes, and makes it harder for me. Every single, well, most times, yeah. (laughs) What I think is impressive, uh, now that you've shared that data with me, and I I didn't ask you that ahead of time for the show at all, um, I I remember my parents' exercise bike, and after a very short period of time, it uh, became a clothes rack. (laughs) And and most exercise bikes at home have that. But I, I think something about the AI engagement that you're doing and the way that the it gets easier if you're just not on a strong day and it gets harder if you need to be pushed. And the fact that you know, I'm just going to do these two nine-minute things, I can deal with that. And it's a replacement for uh, you know, the going to the gym that I wasn't going to do this week anyway because I had a meeting at the same time and all that. So the that makes sense. I also, um, I bought one for uh, Bulletproof headquarters here in Seattle. Um, so we have one, uh, we have one here. Uh, the problem is I don't have a good space for it. We just opened another floor of the building, so I'm putting it in a in a good space. Uh, before it was sort of right there next door, shipping and receiving, which isn't where you want to go. Spend nine minutes, sort of uh, kicking your kicking your own butt. So I, I actually think it's that worthwhile that I'm just willing to go in for the bulletproof employee set. What I wanted to know more about, though, is that you guys have said straight up that the government guidelines of five sessions of 30 minute moderate intensity exercise are just obsolete. Uh, yet my research, I went pretty deep on this uh, in in Headstrong to say, right, how do I keep my brain healthy? I found one set of very clear data around high intensity things. Uh, but I found another set of data that said, look, if you 
just go for a walk for 20 minutes a day. Like that, that there was a mitochondrial set of changes that happened from just going for a walk where you can you know, talk with the person next to you, not a walk with weights and, you know, super fast or anything like that, but just like stepping around a little bit that that was going to do something different than the high intensity training. Are you saying I can be sort of a couch potato and then do my training or, or what's the line there between this, this government moderate intensity, whatever that means and going for a walk is, is there one? We have been very bold to make that statement, but we have made it because it's been scientifically validated. And yes, you can be a couch potato and only do this exercise. You can go for a walk for leisure purposes, for walking your dog because you want to, shopping malls, etc., not because you have to. Now, why do we say that it's, uh, the government guidelines are obsolete? The American Council on Exercise, you must know them. They are a huge nonprofit body in the US. They're known as the uh, watchdog uh, in America. And the wonderful Dr. Cedric Bryant, who's the president, uh, got to hear a bit about Carol, and he was very intrigued by it, particularly because, you know, government sources are realizing that in the next few years, healthcare systems are going to be on their knees. They're already crippled, right? Inactivity no longer is a noun. It's now a disease category. And he just wants to see, you know, if truly people don't exercise because of time, et cetera, et cetera, can Carol do what she says on the tin? So he paid for um, a research project that was conducted by Dr. Lance Dalek at the University of Colorado. They have a massive sports science department. And what they did was uh, it was a, a randomized control trial. It lasted eight weeks and they took um, 16 volunteers or sorry, six, yes, 16 on Carol and 16 people doing the government guidelines of 30 minutes per day, five days a week, totaling 150 minutes a week and Carol three times a week. The results were spectacular. I mean, they even blew us away. The most important from a health perspective is what's called your MET score. It's the score that predicts your likelihood of getting those you know, chronic diseases later on in life, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, dementia, other types of things. And Carol Ryder's MET score had dropped by 62% after eight weeks. The government guidelines group, their MET score dropped, of course, but by 26%. So the difference was pretty phenomenal. In terms of cardio fitness, the Carol group improved by 12%, the government group by 6%. So twice the improvement in... Twice the improvement. You're getting about... Eight weeks. About 14% of the, of the time... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And these have been such meaningful results that the same university then decided to do what you alluded to, Dave. I know you don't know about this and I shouldn't talk too much about it because they haven't published the results. But they decided to see if a ride on Carol in the morning can reverse the effects of sitting all day. Now, they are, they've got phenomenal results, they told me. What they are exactly, I don't know. But they are going to be published probably late summer, early, early uh, or autumn. And we'll see. 
But if that is the case, then yeah, be a couch potato, do it, Carol. You're done and dusted. All right. I, I imagine you're going to need some yoga or stretching or something in there. Uh, definitely, and there's some definitely. lymphatic drainage. In fact, I kind of know this thing called the Bulletproof Vibe that helps with lymphatic drainage as well. <laughs> uh, because there are times definitely. when it, I live in Canada, it rains all the damn time. So, you know, I stand on this thing indoors and I'm on a phone call and I know that I'm getting some things that would have been like what I would have gotten if I walked out in a rainstorm. Uh, oh, great. And so, I mean, it's entirely possible for us to, to do what we want to do, which is quite often not exercise and still do this. But I'm, I'm actually really blown away. They doubled their cardiovascular improvement in 14% of the exercise time. So if you look at just return on investment, which is you have to look at exercise from an ROI perspective, um, unless you just like to go to a spin class, you know, the camaraderie and the sweat and the suffering or something great, then you're doing it for yeah. pleasure, but you don't have to tell yourself you're doing it because it's going to make you healthier. Um, it might, uh, but it also, you know, could wear things out too. Mm. Yeah. And so this has been published in kind of high quality peer reviewed journals. Maybe we maybe we can attach that to the show notes. Yeah, Let's see. I, I w we'll put the links in there because I mean, I looked at this before um, I agreed to let you guys uh, come on to the show and sponsor the show it, is that uh, I really wanted to to dig on it. I can see that it works. I mean, I tried it. I tried it on my on my my daughter who loves it and on my wife. And, you know, I I dug in on this for quite a while and we put it at labs to see how customers liked it. Uh, so I, I think you've passed the bar there, but all of the science I'll put in the post because it's it's important that uh, people listening just understand uh, you couldn't do this by going to a, a, a park and running for 20 seconds uh, because you yeah. won't hit your peak output. It's it's just not possible without the tight computer generated feedback. And then maybe maybe just one thing. When we say the government guidelines are obsolete, um, we think it's just not the best advice and that you can do better than that and you can get that better ROI. But don't forget, even the group that just went from sedentary to, to doing this uh, five times, half an hour, moderate intensity, they did see quite a remarkable improvement. So if you if you can't get a Carol, like don't don't just stay on the couch. I think the, the couch yeah. is the real killer. So the government guidelines are, are quite often, but not always better than doing nothing. Sometimes they're worse than doing nothing, and they're always 30-plus years out of date. Just always. That's how it works. I mean, we've still got in the U.S., you're not allowed to put the word healthy on any food that contains any saturated fat with no differentiation between uh, the different types of saturated fats. Uh, the fact that MCT mm. oils are also saturated, even though they don't even act like other ones. So we have this whole sort of weird cult-like belief system and we also know in the U.S. that anyone who exercises every single day for an hour a day, um, that they're a good person. And like, what? Mm. Like, where where did this come from? It. I, I look at that, and and I might piss off some of my loyal listeners here. I look at that as wearing a hair shirt or you know that self-flagellation activity from old <laughs> religious things. Where look, I've got two kids. Like, I could go play. Uh, you know, table tennis with my son, or I could go, you know, for a walk with my wife. I could do all kinds of cool stuff. I, I could do another episode of Bulletproof Radio. I just don't want to do that because I have so many other things to do, but I will do that if it's necessary. And what you guys are saying is not really necessary. We haven't talked about insulin sensitivity. And I know the reason that you got involved in the company, because I, I did my research, was you saw that first study around, um, 24% insulin sensitivity from a special bike, but you've since commercialized it. Have you done anything around improvements in insulin sensitivity for people who use Carol? Well, again, the um, 
the ACE and University of Colorado study did that. Oh, that and was it, okay. It, it, no, 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 this was the second one. Okay. Um, the, the, the other one was a, a few years ago, the 24%. They've done it, um, and it's an, it's an input that goes into the MET score insulin sensitivity. The triglycerides, the HDL, total cholesterol, blood sugar, every single parameter was measured and every single parameter was massively better than the government guidelines. So it, it works. <laughs> are, and, are you just like tickled I, pink about that? You must be. I, well, we are tickled pink about it. I mean, I think we were really shocked as to how good it all was. And the reason I believe it's the case is because even the laboratory people, once their resistance is set for an individual, they don't change it, whereas Carol changes it every time. Mm. So if you're getting fitter, she continues to uh, challenge you. And so you really do get that potent stimulus every time you get onto it. Um, because you know this, Dave, better than anyone, your body will give you what you ask for it. If we kept you on the same resistance, that's what your body will respond to. It'll adapt to that. So we change the goalpost every time and therefore we keep uh, chasing you my own insulin i hate to admit it was 11 which was bordering on insulin resistance this is a couple of years ago i hit carol like a fiend three times a week and it dropped to 4.3 wow okay so in five weeks that's pretty incredible from 18 minutes of time or she said three times a week but it's it's probably more cost effective than some of the cutting edge diabetes drugs if you were to look at that, and they don't drop insulin and they don't change insulin resistance to that degree. In fact, most of them do much less than that. Oh, yes. That's what Dr. Niels Vollard says. He says that no drug can deliver this level of insulin uh, sensitivity improvement in, in such a short time. He, he's gone on record to say that. Now, one of the, the beliefs that I have that is born from all of the scientific research around behavior of mitochondria uh, is that uh, look, the mitochondria, they control insulin resistance. If they burn sugar and they feel so motivated to do so, magically, you'll have lower levels of glucose and your insulin levels will drop. Like, it's just a normal thing. Uh, the problem is that when uh, mitochondria aren't working well for whatever reason, uh, and quite often it's they have, we'll say, lazy couch potato mitochondria sitting around, uh, they, they don't have any any inputs that says, oh, you need to get out of the way and allow young, healthy, strong mitochondria to come in. And when you practice fasting, the ones that mm -hmm. can't handle it, they die and get replaced by, you one, by new ones. It's you know, mitochondrial autophagy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, if you look at what happens when you do cryotherapy, the ones that can't generate heat, mm -hmm. and then they die, they get out of the way, and young, new ones come in. And then mm -hmm. in the case of Carol, the ones, the mitochondria who cannot make energy to get away from the tiger, they realize, oh, there might be tigers here. Keep in mind, mitochondria are dumb. They're bacteria. They, they don't have a lot of storage capacity <laughs> in their little brains, right? Uh, so they say, oh, there might be tigers here. Therefore, I better get out of the way and be replaced by a young, strong one. And I think it's the mitochondrial biogenesis, which is the new ones, and, and autophagy, which is removal of the old dysfunctional ones, that that would explain why you're getting stronger heart muscle, why you're getting better circulation, why you're getting the improvements in insulin sensitivity. And it's because of the AI, you're tweaking that peak each time instead of just doing something that, oh, I'm already optimized for this. I don't need to change. It's that, that tiny little tweak 
in in the pressure that you put on yourself. And frankly, I used to think, well, I have willpower. I'm a big, strong guy. I'll just muscle my way through it. I'll make myself do it. But newsflash, mitochondria also control willpower. Like they're ultimately in charge. But when you use the AI system, they're not in charge of that. So they just do mm. what's told. And it's, it's a neat hack to sort of get yourself out of the decision loop around mitochondria. Yeah. Well, that's a really interesting point. And I'll just say that we find, we see people, Dave, from all walks of life, right? A 60-year-old lady, for example, who comes here to do this, 20 seconds, because it's timed, it's controlled, uh, it's finite, people finish it. Mm-hmm. Even if you're a couch potato, they just finish it. If you left it up to them, they might not. They might give up earlier. But uh, they seem to feel like they have an obligation to Carol mm-hmm. and they finish it. The the other thing, kind of, uh, I, I loved how you kind of suggested there the different hacks that you could stack. And so this is not a, a massive research study. This is like N equals one. But I've been doing Carol um, for a while and getting kind of really good results from it. After Christmas, after after a period of traveling where I couldn't do it and then too much turkey, I, I mixed two other things into uh, the my my regime. One is intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do I do actually do the bulletproof coffee in the morning and then have a, a longer fasting window. It works well. <laughs> and yeah, and great. and the other kind of uh, cold therapy is just like really cold showers mm-hmm. for like a couple of minutes in the, every morning, and uh, so, so that took me on a new kind of S curve in terms of fitness levels, in terms of weight and body fat and just general wellness. You, you so, saw a difference. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I had my genes tested from kind of the the, the advanced, most advanced research scientists in this field, and they've said like, oh, you should be a low to moderate responder. And I've, I've had my VO two max tested, and kind of with kind of Carol and then stacking in intermittent fasting and and cold exposure. I've improved my VO2 max by 50%. <laughs> so that's that is How massive. old are you? Um I'm 42. Okay, so we're we're in the we're about the same age. I'm now in better shape than I than I've literally ever been. And then the other things that happen is um since since Christmas I've lost about 28 pounds of weight. He's and obsessed reduced now. No, I'm not obsessed. It tastes very easy. 28 pounds in about six months. Okay. Wow. And body fat from 26 to 15%. Um, so I, it was actually comically effective, I have to say. <laughs> I love that word. I think we'll have on our website soon um, a little case study where you, where you might see before after. <laughs> You'll see his six-pack, which is now pretty uh, before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll follow your lead, Dave. I'll, I'll have a six-pack photo. <laughs> But so kind of stacking those uh, different little hacks. And this is really, it's not very invasive and it doesn't cost a lot to um, skip breakfast, have a cold shower and do three times a week, like eight minutes exercise. So so the ROI on that is pretty phenomenal. And so is the smug smile on his face. <laughs> it, it does. I, I love the words comically effective because, I mean, I, I had a, a guy a while back lose a uh, a pound a day for 75 days on the rapid fat loss protocol thing that wow. I published. Wow. Uh, and it, it's you, literally every week you go back to the store and buy another pair of pants because the ones you wore last week don't fit. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Exactly. Same. Yeah. I, went, I had to go to wedding in, in completely inappropriate um, <laughs> dress because I like all, all the fancy suits. Yeah, they don't fit just, anymore. They, like, they hang on you, right? Two, three sizes too big. Yeah, absolutely. 
well, congratulations on that. And, and the idea of stacking those, one of the things at Upgrade Labs that I'm intrigued with is we've got oh, probably a dozen different pieces of tech at this mm-hmm. point, but it's using machine learning, artificial intelligence to navigate uh, our clients' way. So you walk in the door, we can tell you, all right, do the Carol first, do the Carol last. You skip the Carol today. You did it yesterday. Whatever the right things are to say, how do you get the highest ROI for the stack? But right now, what I understand about how to stack things is that uh, when I'm going to do the Carol, um, I will. Uh, I want to do it in a fasted state. However, mm-hmm. I want to do sure. it with caffeine in my system. And you, yep. you talked about the AMPK uh, impact of your exercise. And it turns out there's a study from 2008 that shows caffeine enhances endothelial repair via an AMPK-dependent mechanism. There's another study from UC San Diego that shows that the amount of caffeine in two small cups of coffee doubles ketone production. And that's without brain octane, which itself cranks ketone production up. So what I'm going to do before I do this is I'll have my bulletproof coffee, uh, and I don't do collagen before, I'll do collagen after, and... Um, so now I'm, I've had my coffee. I've got the caffeine in for the AMPK uh, mechanisms. Uh, then I will do it. And what I don't know yet is do I want to do cryotherapy before or after? It doesn't seem to matter, but there are some early studies that say you might want to do it first, uh, okay. which means take your cold shower first. And the reason for that is that icing after exercise may reduce the improvement from exercise. However, a cold shower isn't icing and you guys aren't aren't creating delayed onset muscle soreness and all that stuff because you don't even sweat when you're doing it. I, I don't know with Carol, but I know if I was going to go lift, uh, I would probably want the cold to come first. It'd be, it'd be fast, caffeine, cold, exercise. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Yeah, we'll try that. So we'll try at the it. moment, my regime is Carol, cold, caffeine. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll permutate it a bit and, and see. I'll, I'll tell you what I get to. Try it out. And, and there's, I mean, now we're getting you know, a little off the, the Carol, uh, you know, the, the Carol's topic specifically. Uh, but there's something called mTOR. And mm-hmm. have you looked at what Carol does for mTOR levels? No, we have not. Okay. Um, again, it's something that I'm sure Lance Dalek would love to look into. Okay. Uh, it's coming over time, but we have not. No. I don't know that it would do much except in the heart, but mTOR is the mammalian target of rampamycin. And it's one of the anti-aging things. I just wrote about that in my new book uh, called Superhuman uh, that is now on Amazon. Notice that blatant plug there. Uh, it's a it's a pre-order. <laughs> very good. Another point. blatant plug. <laughs> it's very good. But uh, when you look at, at mTOR, and this actually goes back to the Bulletproof Diet, too. I, I read about that. There's What you want to do is you want to suppress mTOR, mm-hmm. and then you want to let it spring back. And the things that suppress mTOR are exercise. So I am almost certain that Carol mm. is going to suppress mTOR, and then when you're done exercising, it comes back up. So you want a brief spike in mTOR, which causes repair. But if mTOR is always high, like if you're a bodybuilder mm. eating tons of protein, then it can lead to cancer and things like that. So you want low mTOR, mm. high mTOR, low mTOR. And this brief, intense thing you're doing with Carol seems like it would do it. But the things that suppress mTOR are caffeine uh, and mm. exercise and uh, fasting are the three things that suppress it. And that's why you do all those together. You do the caffeine before the exercise. So the fasting pushes it down like a spring. Then next, the caffeine pushes it down like a spring. And then at the end, mm. the exercise pushes it down like a spring. And then you're done. You go eat. And then it surges forward. You get 
in this case, I would imagine it'd be more of a cardiovascular effect from the mTOR. Uh, and then all the good stuff happens from there when you let it go, but then it returns back to low normal levels, which is going to make you live longer. That's why I think about things the way I do uh, and why I think your technology that prevents over-exercising, I, I think it's pretty fundamental. I'm I'm excited about it. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to uh, take the, what you've just said on board and try it out ourselves, and I'm going to propose it to Lan Stalek to see if, if he'd like to uh, research it. Me- All right. Measure it. Yeah. Excellent. Now, I have another question. Okay, AI is one of those buzzwords where you know people are saying I have an artificial intelligence in my shoes. You're like, no, you don't. <laughs> so, yes. what's real in the AI that you're doing? Yeah, of course. So, most visibly, is the personalization and optimization of the exercise for kind of each individual user, every single ride. So um, using machine learning and big data, um, we've developed algorithms that will basically keep challenging you and keep adjusting the exercise for you every single time so you don't plateau. That's the, that's the most visible thing. Mm-hmm. The other visible thing is, back to what I said earlier, Dave, remember when the scientists are doing the research, you are in front of them and they can see that you are either, you know, you've got heavy uh, mass, body mass, either because you are tall and you're muscly or you're short and fat. So they can adjust the resistance. Remember, they use the Wingate formula and they can adjust the resistance on that range based on you because they can see you. We don't have that luxury. When you register with Carol, you give us your weight, your age, your height, we'll calculate BMI, but we don't know if you're short and fat or whether you're tall and muscly. So we have what's called calibration rides. And those are the rides where your first three calibration rides, we get to understand you. If you're likely to be short and fat, your power is not going to be very high. If you are strong and muscly, your power is going to be very high. Uh, Your total power, your peak power, all of this stuff. And so we use all that information to then when you do your proper ride, which is really your seventh ride, you've got that maximum resistance that's been calculated by Carol. It's using the Wingate formula and she applies it in less than a second using the motor. And so those are that's the other machine learning bit. Carol really, un, she's just tracking everything the whole time. So she's understanding your ability. The, the next is about giving like really meaningful and accurate metrics. Uh, we spoke about that already, that it's um, kind of uh, almost like a, a fitness test every time you you use it. Then there's a bunch of things where we use advanced machine learning kind of under the hood to make the bike, um, you know, as accurate as possible and as safe as possible. And then kind of uh, we're constantly developing that. Um, every bike is is connected to the cloud. We're pushing quite frequent updates on and we have a, a very exciting roadmap for Carol where she will be kind of at the moment she controls the exercise for you, but where she will be your comprehensive kind of artificially intelligent health health coach that can give kind of really meaningful feedback based on your behavior on the bike, um, based on your physiological signs, and can even answer questions that you have. And the good thing is, as we develop that, we push that out to all our users, and, and Carol will just get smarter and smarter. So including heart rate variability, we'll mm-hmm. be measuring that very soon. You know, she will say, not today, Dave, you're too tired. 
That is so incredibly cool. I'm excited to get that upgrade on my Carol because, I mean, I, I use an aura ring uh, that shows me in yeah. the morning what my heart rate is, or sorry, my heart rate variability is. So I get some sense of data from that. And at Upgrade Labs, mm-hmm. we get heart rate variability sometimes where we look at people's aura scores. And it's it's true. There are some days where through no fault of your own, you really ought to mm-hmm. not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have a system that's smart enough to say, hey, like, don't, you know, come back tomorrow. Um, I mean, what a blessing because what we would otherwise do without any knowledge, we'd go and we'd push ourselves, which is going to further deplete you, which is going to make you act like more of a jerk later in the day. It's almost guaranteed that it's that way. The more energy, the more willpower you have, the more of a nice person you are. And when you are weak physiologically at a cellular level, you just have less willpower. So you're more likely to snap at your kids or yell at your boss or do whatever that thing that you wish you hadn't done. So yay, turn on that HRV and a piece of exercise equipment that tells you not to use it. That is actually really <laughs> cool. Or one that says, use, <laughs> use me less. Seriously, that, that's what the world needs. That's, mm. that's the whole reason that I, mm. I started this whole Upgrade Labs concept. And that's why I put you guys mm. in there. Uh, because that mindset that's what is just because some exercise is good doesn't mean that no that that all the exercise in the world is good for you and it doesn't mean none is good for you and it's it's the same with cholesterol like just because crazy high amounts of oxidized cholesterol can be bad for you it doesn't mean that you want zero cholesterol because there's a name for that it's called death so Mm -hmm. finding the comfortable middle for your biology for your exercise for your food for your fat for your carbs for everything like that's where we're going, and you're at the forefront of that, and so I'm, I'm stoked. But being at the forefront comes at a certain cost, and that leads to the final question for the show today. You might live longer than you counted on, and because my new book is around my quest to live to 180, I've been asking guests on the show for quite a while a really in-your-face question. So how long are you going to live? What do you think? So that comes as a complete surprise, that question. I, I look at the data. Yeah, I'm 42 now. Yeah. I'm way fitter and healthier than uh, when I was 32, mm-hmm. and also when I was 22. <laughs> Me too. So uh, if I if I just extrapolate that, it's going to be a very very long life. <laughs> like oh um, darn, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so no, and I, I think you're you're onto something, and um, I I don't think your target is off the wall. So I can. Um, kind of, if if I get those types of improvements that I've seen, I can see myself reach, you know, like the 120 level. And then if the if the magic happens um, in terms of what else is around there, with with some help of technology, I think we can live a very very long time. At the same time, I think we have like I I speak for myself. It's a a, a very blessed and fulfilled life actually. Three wonderful children, wonderful wife. And you work with me. And a wonderful <laughs> co-founder and partner. Absolutely. Um, I, I wouldn't even, like, even if it didn't come like that, I'd be grateful um, and and um, would, would say life's not too short. It's um, kind of, it's a blessing. It's been a blessing so far and it's it's wonderful what we can do. My question, my answer to that question, Dave, and I'm not, uh, there's no reason for it, but I'm just going to say 111 because there's three ones. I just like that number. All right. Um, but uh, but it's beyond a hundred. And funnily enough, because Carol, there's a name to this to the uh, to the AI, and you 
we hope that our users form a relationship with her. So Carol has a personality and she's quite funny. And she has, I don't know, about 300 what we call Carolisms. And they're one-liners, witty quotes. And one of them says, what's it like to be 100 years old? Question mark. And then she says, at this rate, you'll find out. <laughs> I love it. 111. Uh, I haven't heard anyone say, I just like the sound of those three numbers together. But I, I'm increasingly hearing people say, you know, I think past 100 is, it, it, it could happen. And even just in the last year of asking this question, I've seen a shift in it. And it's very clear that if people don't believe something can happen, it does not happen. And even becoming more intelligent, the studies are crystal clear. If you tell kids that they can get smarter, they get smarter. If you tell kids they can't get smarter, they simply mm -hmm. don't. So I... I'm looking at all the math, looking org like you, where I am in better shape now, I'm 46, than I was when I was 26 on every every measure that I can think mm. of. Uh, that I'm like, well, wait. And, and knowing all the people I've interviewed and, and other people I haven't interviewed, but I, I know who are working on these technologies, and you stack those with things like Carol and things like cold showers and you know the coffee stuff and all the other techniques in in just changing your environment so that you sleep better and everything works better. I, I just don't think it's unreasonable to say that most people listening to the show who are especially under 30 today, if they follow the basic stuff and we don't you know, deplete our topsoil and poison our oceans to the point that no one's alive, uh, then I think that, that the average listener is going to make it past 100. And not only that, yeah. they're going to do it with a brain that works and walking into their own power. That's that's fantastically said. I love that. I love that. Walking into their own power. Yeah. You know, my husband's a neurologist and we have lots of medics in my family. Of course, I'm Indian. So that's not surprising. <laughs> Your last name was Singh. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Every time I go to America, people just ask me if I'm a doctor and I just start laughing. <laughs> so I'm not, but I'm married to one. Um and and I think all the doctors and, and my husband thinks it's possible. It's possible as long as it's healthy. And this is why our healthcare systems need to be viable. You know, we don't want them on their knees. Otherwise, what's the point in living till you're 111 without, you know, the ability to enjoy it? Yeah, it, it's that idea that the picture of aging that we have is no longer the, being the, the wise village elder. It's, you know, diapers and tubes and hospitals and all the really unpleasant stuff. And that didn't exist except for like the last 30, 40 years. That, that's never been how it was. And so we're undoing that really rapidly. And it's really amazing. But thousands of studies will show that remaining active is required for the brain to work. Like we opened mm -hmm. with the, in, the, uh, in the cool facts of the day. Uh, so if you can get people to do that in 18 minutes a week and it leads to those shifts in outcome, that is uh, uh, that is an act of service uh, for humanity. So you give me those results in less time, I'm more likely to do it. And it's not just me. It's everyone listening is more likely to do it. So I'm I'm just on board with this. I, I think we're, we're looking at a world coming up here that's going to be a lot cooler than people think it is. Uh, in part because of stuff like this. So thank you for making Carol. Yeah, and part because of you as well, and people like you who, who bring you know new things to people. Because some of it, you know, is a bit hard to believe, but you you're the proof. You've got people who are 
following you and they're the proof. So it's thanks to you, uh, Dave. Oh, I, I appreciate that. But really, Ulrich is the proof. <laughs> it's, it's one thing. Yes, I did weigh 300 pounds. I had all my crap. But at this point, more than a million pounds people have lost on the Bulletproof diet. And, and you get these, these mm-hmm. critics who say it doesn't work. And you're like, I'm pretty sure all the people who just lost all this weight and have brains yeah. to work, they're going to come and find you if you keep saying that because they're they're a little pissed off that you're calling them liars. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm I'm just at peace with the fact that that this stuff works and it'll directionally get more. It's directionally accurate and it'll get more tweaks. Uh, for instance, the conversation about you know, at what time should you do your caffeine versus your exercise? We don't know. We have theories and ideas, but machine learning is going to help us dial that in and. Funny enough, you know, there's a big data set of information, and I think you guys are very soon going to have an incredible data set because you're looking at it differently than guys like Peloton, uh, where it's mm. more of like an entertainment feedback thing. You're getting the physiology, mm. right? And then we have a whole bunch of brain scans, you know, on the 40 years of Zen side of things, and you know, my friends at Muse and all these mm. other things, and then Upgrade Labs were gathering a bunch of other data sets and there's hospitals and medical things and stuff all over the place. We put all that stuff together and mm-hmm. dump it into a big machine learning system. It's, it's just going to be nothing but a cool world. So I, I think you're, you're a very meaningful part of that. And I'm, uh, I'm grateful that we're all going to get more results. That's why on that note, for people listening, um, if you've enjoyed this interview, I think that you really should check out the, the Carol bike. It's at carolfitai.com. Uh, it's uh, very reasonably priced. It will save you so much time. And if you're like me, where, look, I don't really want to sleep. I have cool stuff to do. So I found a way to sleep more in less time. And I get what a 20-year-old gets in eight hours. I can get in six hours, and I'm 46. And if you thought you had to invest you know, six hours a week in getting your cardio, uh, you know, an hour a day to drive to the gym and change and go do whatever you're going to do and come None of that. You can get rid of it. So this is just a much higher efficiency to free up time to do the stuff that you really care about. And that's carolfitai.com. So go there, check it out. If it's a good fit for you, great. If not, take a cold shower, a skip breakfast, like do something good like that. And if it worked, tell someone, uh, leave a review for the Bulletproof Diet, leave a review for the podcast. Uh, just do stuff like that. Just tell people, hey, this stuff works. And that's how we can all combat the trolls and skeptics and the people mm. who tell you the 40-year-old advice that says, work out for 30 minutes a day, six days a week. Yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> Have a great day. And because you're a Bulletproof Radio listener, the team at Carol Fit AI is giving you a $150 discount when you use the code Dave. That's a major savings on this really cool new way of getting more exercise in way less time and not sweating along the way. A human upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. 
This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.